It's Guild Ball Tonight, your independent source for Guild Ball news, information, and conversation. Episode 77 for February 26, 2018. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Guild Ball Tonight podcast. Now, I am your ever-present host, Phil, and returning tonight is... Our once and future co-host, Bill. Hey, Bill, how you doing? Good to have you back. I am doing really well, and I have to say how good it is to be back. It was so nice to feel so incredibly wanted after the last show. (laughs) I listened to it, and I realized... Well, needed if not wanted. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the, uh, you guys are getting the hosts you deserve, not or that you need, not that you deserve? Something like that, because... (laughs) Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna say the last show was was good. I'm just gonna say it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it is good to be back, and I, I. It is good to know that I'm needed. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We can. We can. We can put it like that. All right. So, uh, what are we going to talk about on the extravaganza this week? I think we've got not uh, plastic. No, we're not even going to mention it. So, uh, we've actually had a pretty good, pretty good run of uh, things to talk about in the last week or two. Uh, so we certainly are not at a loss for things to talk about. So we've we've pulled out the ones that we most want to discuss. So I think we're going to be talking about the uh, the appearance of some new some new products, some new uh, some new team boxes. Uh, that uh, should finish off the the repacks and uh, not necessarily answer our Soltesian questions, uh, but certainly um, certainly present some new twists on that subject, which you know I'm going to get into. Uh, we've been we've been teased with the Falconers, which, as we've known for a while, would be the second minor guild to come along. Um, they did a, um, they did a a streamed game with the rat catchers where they played them, but didn't actually show off all the remaining cards, which gave us some tantalizing teases of what those players might do. And we, we can get into whether or not that, that kind of a tease is a cool format and more interesting than the, the blog post approach. And, uh. Speaking of, we did get to see Scourge's card, or as uh, Steve Margitson loves to call him, uh, Rattlist, uh, probably for good reason. Then yeah, we will uh, we'll plug some events, answer some questions, and go to sleep. So, okay, uh, what are we? Uh, so, what's up, Bill? How you been? What's your uh, what's your uh, what's your my guild take? ballery in the last month been like? It's been really good. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I. Uh, All those people that ask that critical question, I'm sure we have like 10 of them tonight. You know, how do you build a community? Um, Well, uh, don't have a job that makes you travel every other week. (laughs) Because uh, while that seems to be really good for me getting games to be played in other people's communities, like out in Denver. Hi, Denver guys. 
uh, yeah, it sucks for my community who have decided to uh, ramp down their playing because I'm not reliably there every week. Hmm. Uh, so, well, it appears that Guild Ball that's frustrating. Communities are fragile <laughs> things. They really are. So, uh, all right. So, what do you think of uh, what? What do you think of the Union in Chains box? Is that where we're going to first? Yeah, that's where we're going first, baby. We're going straight to the vitriol. Although there is no veteran well, vitriol's vitriol. Not in there. Yeah, no. Yeah, vitriol's not so, in there. So so here's the question I have about the Union and Chains box. Who was Great. surprised? Like, wasn't this the obvious format for this? They yeah. haven't released singles in ages. They never said that they were going to be released as singles. I'm surprised that they're being released so soon, number one, and as medals, number two. But I'm not surprised that they're being released all in the same product. And so and the I people who always... seem to be upset and surprised about this haven't really been paying attention. Yeah, I was always under the assumption they were going to do it in a box. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that it is priced in line with metal. Well, because it's metal. Because it's metal. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, but I mean, there's no confirmation that it's metal, right? Even though everything looks metallic in the picture. I, I have seen. been, I have been, I have been told yeah. that, that the both UIC and Union 3 are metal boxes, metal price point. So here is what surprised me. I was not expecting Broken Legs, uh, Honor. Yeah, that was that was a surprise. Um, it was not the best kept secret in Guild Ball, but for for some people, it would have been a surprise, and so that that's kind of cool, isn't it? Well, I'm out of the loop, but we know that. Um, so I didn't know she was going to be in there, and yeah, no, I so I th- I was surprised at how soon it is, and I was surprised to see, um, you know, uh, not Veteran Cena the Werebear in there, but to see Honor. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was always going to be that that question of who would be the sixth model in the Union and Chains box, right? And and uh, the, the speculation was, was rife that it would either be that um, Spigot model that we were shown at SteamCon US or one of the two SteamCon designer player figures um, were the odds-on favorites. And... Um, I think it started, it started going around the, the scuttlebutt that it would be honor a little while ago, but, um, I think that's, I think that's a, a, a cool model to include, you know, of the, of the ones that were being mentioned as filling that six slot, uh, I, I think that's the one I would have most wanted to see just because, while I don't have an attachment to Farmer, certainly, I, I, I do have an attachment to Honor. So getting getting her veteran, even if I might never get around to playing it, is um not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. And if it can't yeah. be if it can't be veteran Fangtooth's surprising uh appearance, then it might as well be Honor. But yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of work to make a veteran Fang Tooth actually work. <laughs> and of course, we can't we can't mention veteran honor without also mentioning her dog. Can't um, we? Well, I, I I won't. I mean, it's on the same base. There's no yeah, that's it. That's one of the interesting there, things right? about it is that it doesn't appear to be a separate figure. It does. It it is a. a I mean, it's not like it's model. bear cubs. <laughs> 
I mean, I will be I will be curious to see what it might have been worth uh, looking at. But yeah, I will be curious to see what veteran Cena actually is because what they were left with was wildly <laughs> unworkable. Oh, I disagree completely. I think that was fantastic. That was like a dreadnought in a sock. <laughs> it needs to come out in metal. It's going to be like $72 for the model. It needs to be solid. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, so we've got, um, for people who have forgotten, this box will be, of course, Veteran Honor, who we've discussed. It will be... Um, it will be a veteran uh, decimate as a brewer. It will be a veteran gutter as a butcher. A veteran minx as a hunter. A veteran uh, Harry as a engineer. Harry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, as the engineer. And then the last one is uh, my favorite of the models, which is... The veteran hemlock as a mortician uh, model, which uh, I think we've we've already slugged it out whether or not that model was any good, you and I. But um, <laughs> it's still the one I'm most looking forward to. So, uh, <clears throat> so there's a lot of people that are upset about the fact that they they are quote unquote being forced. You know, somebody has a gun to their head and their children's heads to buy this box and. Uh, and they have to get all these models and then they have to find a friend almost like, you know, maybe an opponent or something to share these models right. with. And I honestly feel I don't understand the problem. I have morticians, hunters, farmers, <laughs> um, <So do I. laughs> you know, brewers and fishermen. I, 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 and I know. I was Harriet, gonna need a the model. little girl seems kind of cool. So I, what's the issue here? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't see a problem. I, I see no problem at all. I don't. I don't have thirteen painted teams. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to understand how when I split this box, somebody's going to give me half price for one model. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, look, I understand there are people out there that only have one or two guilds, or only have one or two of the guilds represented in this box. Doesn't that mean they should go buy one of the other six-player boxes or maybe back the Kickstarter and Indiegogo's? Yeah, I mean, you've got options here, right? I mean, like, it's a way to start a new team. Or, if you're playing in a community, you know, number one, lucky you. And number two, <laughs> ask around. It's an opportunity to make friends and build trust. You know, I mean, breaking up these boxes is is pretty much a given. And, of course, I, I'm sure that your your local game store will love it if people share a product instead of uh, everybody buying their own copy of it. But we saved the local game stores by not backing the Indiegogo, so we're all good. Uh, they owe us one. All right, so... Uh, wow. <laughs> But I am, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this box, both because the all six models look pretty cool, except maybe Minx. I'm still on the fence about Minx. Her spear is like way too big. It's like a, it's like a tree trunk that she's hauling around. But um, she does appear to come with some sort of traps, though, so we can, we can begin the speculation in earnest over whether or not she has like Chaska's trapping ability. And, uh, 
but I'm looking forward to that. Now, the one that I'm actually somewhat on the fence about, it might be the rare Guild Ball product I don't buy, is the Union 3 box. Really? Well, because let's talk about what's in the Union 3 box. So Union 3, also known as the Sulthesian Minor Guild box, apparently not a minor guild. Uh, you know, we can go back and we can go back and roll the tape on what people have said and when and, and all these things and, and see that uh, people so just have not been people before, have not been telling us the truth. <laughs> before you even get started. Yes. I just want to point out you cannot say anything negative about this box for the same reason I can't. Mist is in it. <laughs> so it finally answers the question of where he went. Right. I, it's easy enough. I mean, Mist is in a box. Yeah. We just need to, everybody needs to shut up and buy it. Yeah. So, so, and, and that's the thing is this, this does complete the repack, right? So what was missing from the repacks? We were missing Brisket 3, Grace Benediction, Mist, and Harry the Hat. Those were the only figures at this point, other than maybe Lucky, if you wanted to consider him missing, but he's still a promotional piece. Those are those were the five figures that were missing. Now the dilemma, of course, had been they had presented this as well. First, they said that Union didn't get a uh, a minor guild when Matt in the UK said there were ten minor guilds. Then two weeks later, Matt said the Sothesians were the Union's minor guild, and and my contact at, at Steamforge decided to to say, "Haha, I wanted you to be surprised." After having two weeks later confirmed that Union didn't get a minor guild, so you know who you are, and I'm not forgiving you. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, turning around now and releasing this as Union Three. Now, on the one hand. Releasing this as Union 3 takes away a ton of complication. We don't have to worry about the guild identities for Brisket, Grace, Benediction. You know, whether they're whether they get to keep their old Union identity and gain Sothesian or how they were going to split that up to only have the two uh, players who flipped in and out of the lineup. It simplifies all that. They're just union players. And for five of those players, they've always been union players. That's not a big deal. But then there's a sixth player who was always presented as the Sultesian mascot. And that, of course, is Pride the Lion. Pride the Lion is also the only completely new player in this box. Now, there is a new sculpt of Harry the Hat. But let's be honest. The existing sculpt of Harry the Hat, the 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 second Harry figure, not right. the, the not the infamy sculpt. figure, but the Guild Ball figure, is still <clears throat> my hands down vote for best figure in the line. And of course, that figure is gone now. So if you don't have it, go find it fast, because so, that figure is just hot. Do you honestly think? Do you genuinely think, or is your inside source telling you <laughs> that this is the actual Sothetia spot? I don't trust my inside source anymore on this subject because he's now trolling me on this subject and he's enjoying it. Um, okay, yeah, I, I think uh, given everything I know at this juncture, I don't think Sothesians are going to be a unique guild in the near future. 
Now that's not to okay, say. Yeah. Come on, in the near future. That's I mean, not to say that we got like four years of minor guilds coming for right. us. Right. That's not to say that the end of this long line of minor guilds, we don't see six entirely new characters or veterans. But this group of six is a union box for the time being. I think that we can just uh, put a put an end to that speculation. But uh, I I think eventually someday I there will eventually be a a church minor guild. Maybe someday. Who knows? The story is yeah. going to be two three seasons down the road. By then, they may not even figure in. Well, I, I, again, I don't know what you're talking about. I think the dwarf and the minotaur are going to look great in the church. <laughs> you're confusing your games again, Bill. <laughs> I'm not so sure I am, but that's okay. Okay, that's fine. So, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, it's so that's Union Three. So now process. let's get to. So let's get to the problem here. Number one, it's not the lion that everybody showed off, and Loxum has already come out and said. That's it, that's it. We got to present the problems before we present the answers. Okay. So, so if you thought people were mad about having to buy a whole box (laughs) to get one figure with the union and chains, and all this happened on the same day, so for 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 a perspective on the history of Guild Ball tirades, (laughs) on the same day that they showed the union chain box, they showed Union Three. And the fact that essentially you were being asked to buy an entire box for one mascot if you were already an established union player. And that might be a that might be a bridge too far even for me. I mean, are you planning on buying this box? Or let's say uh, let's put it like this. If you were not given later that day a message via damage control from Loxum. Because we'll get to that in a second. But if all you knew was that this box was coming out, it had one new player in it, and you already, I assume, have every one of these figures because you play Union. I do. And here's where I'm at on this. Um, Would I be buying this box? If this box was coming out in plastic, then for the... uh, Honestly, simply for the new model and the Grace in plastic... Yeah. Well, I'd Grace probably, and Mist in plastic would both be really yeah, nice because of durability. Because they're I'd both probably fragile figures. Would have bought this box with it coming out yeah. in metal. Uh, no. Yeah. And then, and I that's where I'm at too. I'm in the same place right, to see the lion. I mean, honestly, even with the damage control coming, I still look at this and I go, "Do I really want to just print off the lion's card? Like, do I need the lion's card as much as I like the card? Can I just find another lion at 32 millimeters and proxy it?" That's that that. That would have been my plan exactly. I would have just proxied it for casual play. I don't need it for for competitive play because I'm me. Um, but see, I do play competitive, and I'm not sure. I He has to be pretty freaking awesome for me to need him for competitive play because yeah. he also needs to offset the fact that I'm not sure. As much as I enjoy Trisket, and I, in fact, just spent all last week playing games with Trisket and did fairly well. I'm not so sure I like her in tournaments over Blackheart. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But we also can So <laughs> I'll say this. I'm a little torn by saying that the uh, explosive nature of the discussion that day yeah. was was just the two factors of uh, here's two boxes you have to spend a bunch of money on. Yeah. Because there was a lot of other things. For example. Well, there's been some 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 rising anger to uh to steal a Gilball term. Yeah, I mean there really has. In in you know, one of the things was the timing and how this was released. Right? There was a lot of discussion in certain channels about the fact that um <clears throat> there are there's information that's out there that has very specific limitations on it that are suddenly lifted through other channels, yet people like us still are limited on when when and how we can talk about things. Now you're getting into some inside baseball. You and I can rant about that later. But I know what you're saying. Um, yeah, so I, I think overall that the... So, so the lead that we've been burying, or at least that I've been burying actively, is that Loxum did go on to what book later in the day. Now, if you don't, if you don't have Facebook, or people who tell you everything that happens on Facebook, what book? What book? Face what? What what? What? Um, uh, you wouldn't know this because, well, communication See, is not their forte. But everybody should be on either Facebook or Discord, right? I mean, if everybody's on the Wang Dungeon, they heard all about it there. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, so anyway, so Loxum came out and basically said, uh, don't freak out. We're going to do an LE Pride. It's based, I mean, you know, without saying it, he strongly it. Exactly. intimated that at some point in the future they would put a pride figure into the into the locker room. Uh, so we assume it'll be some sort of pose variation. Maybe it'll be that one on the pedestal. I don't see how you do that in metal because that would be a, that would be a paperweight. Oh, I'm so on board with that too. <laughs> but I think that so for people out there who have, all or most of that Union 3 box, you can relax a little bit and go back to just bitching about Union and Chains because you'll have a you'll have a shot at getting Pride by himself almost certainly later in the year, perhaps around Christmas because that's when the locker room likes to open, but maybe Gen Con, you know, we don't know which one. But those are the two times I mean, when the locker room pretty much always opens. So there's other times we could be seeing it. I mean, we don't know if they're going to do a release box for this, yeah, or a Black Friday. Yeah. Well, but there's still one miniature that we know nothing about in terms of when it's going to show up, and that, of course, is that that spigot figure that they showed at um that they showed at uh, UK or US SteamCon. So the question now becomes, is that yeah, where spigot, is, he? is that alleged Spigot 3 figure going to be in a release kit? Is it going to be in a future product? Is it sidelined? We don't know. He's still sort of missing. So there's still mysteries out there with this with the Silthesian box. So mysteries. It is it is certainly not even now this this topic is not yet put to bed true so uh 
so while they were while they were stirring up trouble with uh, with those two boxes, they also <laughs> showed us um, a picture of the Falconers release kit. Now, of course, the Falconers are the Hunters Minor Guild. They will be the second Minor Guild to be released. Uh, I guess coming this spring after the Rat Catchers have have made their way into our hands. And That's what we're assuming, right? Well, uh, I think it's a, it's a fair assumption. And uh, so what we saw was the release kit. Now, what appears to be in that release kit is much like the Rat Catchers release kit. It's going to have one figure each of the two crossover players in a variant outfit that more uh, that more matches the Falconer. So you're going to have Egret and Veteran Hearn uh, in Falconer clothing, which in the case of Egret is sort of a more Greekish looking uh, attire. And then I had trouble to tell with the like I yeah. I wasn't getting a very good blow up of that picture. Well, there are no good blow ups of that picture. Unfortunately, we don't have Blade Runner enhance technology yet. But boy, I wish we did. And it's a picture of Veteran Hearn, so yeah, it's yeah a picture of Veteran right. Hearn in a in a cloak with a big bird. So yeah, we've got that, and of course, this uh, was also the first time we got a good look at all six Hunter models in their concept form. Um, we also have a very far away picture from Angel Horaldes of the Falconers, but Thank not you. all the details were were clear from that picture in terms of sort of what uh, we I think seeing. the most important detail was clear, <laughs> which is Michael Caine being <laughs> in the, uh, in no, the Michael, Michael awesome. Keaton. Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. You're right. Michael Keaton being yes, in the, the bird. Is... Or, or, or was it Wiley coyote? Because I, I think both. <laughs> I think it could be either or both. I think it could be either. So, I got to say, you know, normally, normally I give the Guild Ball design sense a lot of, a lot of leeway. I, I, I can fanboy a little bit for, for the work that Doug and Russ do in, in character design and sculpting. But man, I am just not into the dude <laughs> the in bird the bird man suit. Of no, I'm just not into the dude in the bird suit in the Falconer's Guild. I mean, do you really think? All right, so you've got these four other people and, and a giant eagle, because that's the rest of the team. Do you really think these people who've made who make their living, whose profession? whose vocation, whose avocation is raising actual birds and teaching them how to hunt and play guild ball and forming this this soul connection with these majestic beasts of the air. Do you think they're okay with some crazy dude coming along in a bird suit and saying, hey, I'm on your team? I mean, like... I mean, come on, he's got to be crazy. First of all, he's, he's, he's walking around in a bird suit, right? He might as well be like like a, a, a minor league baseball mascot for all intents and purposes, right? I mean, like, I'm not okay with the guy in the bird suit. 
And I will post that picture of Wile E. Coyote in the Acme bat suit periodically, probably for the rest of my life, in silent protest of the fact that I'm just not okay with the guy in the bird suit. It's just... Like, this isn't a serious game. You don't have to take it seriously. You can't take it seriously. You shouldn't take it seriously. But you also shouldn't put a guy in a bird suit. I mean, that's all I'm really saying at the end of the day. See, but what we don't know... I mean, we have to be we have to be a little bit fair here, and let's give Steamforge some credit. Um, he might have an ability that's been like that's like uh, you know what is it? Uh, the new vitriol has uh, I've been burned before. His might be yeah. I dressed in a stupid suit before, which gives <laughs> the entire team like a four inch dodge away from him at the beginning of his turn, and it could be completely in character. Um, if he does not have that now, I will be disappointed. <laughs> so, so I lodge my formal protest with the but universe. Wait, he also could have, I dressed like this on purpose. <laughs> right? He and could we, also have, that he has. could also have this time. I'm going to catch that roadrunner. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying if you paint a train tunnel on the wall <laughs> at the edge of the pitch, you're probably going to be able to so, knock him out. That's all I'm so saying. This time I'll catch that. Yeah, I like it. And then I, I'm down with it. All right, very good. So so that's what we know about the Falconers so far. We know very little about them at this point, other than the fact that they, they do have a release kit. They do have a guy in a bird suit. And apparently we found out, I think it was today, that their mascot's name is Frelsi or Felsi? Frelsi. Yeah. Which apparently is Icelandic for eagle. Makes or sense. freedom or something like that. I think it was freedom. So, Frelsi. It doesn't just roll off the tongue, but uh, neither does guy in a bird suit. <laughs> So there is one other thing that is popped up. Um, uh, there's another thing that has popped up, interestingly, a couple of times. It was previewed out there a little ways back. It is currently on pre-order. And the pre-order, jeez, uh, what is the date for the pre-order? Pre-order out at Leotis Games, uh, saying it'll be released in 51 days, which puts us somewhere... Get to the point. <laughs> yeah. Game plan deck. Oh, yeah, that thing. So, uh, and we know that we have things, uh, see something or other. We got some, we got some initiative. Something's here. Some timers that go from plus one to plus seven. We have won't touch the hair because why not bring back don't touch the hair and name change the name. <laughs> Well, I think it's more of a hat tip than a... Than yeah, a no, it does something completely different. So... Uh, we have some yellow dot with a plus one on it. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we're going to be getting uh, game playing cards sometime in... Jeez, I think this is March or April. Beginning of April. That's got to be before Adepticon, right? Um... Not necessarily, but around the time of Adepticon. I mean, 51 days from today puts us, like, in the beginning of April. Or end of April. In the middle of April, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it is definitely in range that all the other things we're expecting to see at Adepticon, like Ratcatchers, 
would be, uh, you know, in that range. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they, they kind of always intimated that, well, not necessarily intimated, but straight up said that the, that the new <clears throat> OPD would be uh, in effect for Adepticon. The question has just always been, how much lead time are we going to have as players to to get familiar with and practice with the new the right. new normal so it's an interesting question and one that we will uh we will not yet know the answer to but god it feels like we've got it like it's got to be right around the corner right like they can't leave us hanging through much of March if they're going to give us any lead time on that deck. So now I don't know if you've noticed this, but something else that popped up quite interesting. What's that? So when you go out um, now, I'm looking in pounds because I don't, I don't go out, Bill. That's one of my problems. Yeah, I know. I that makes me sad. <laughs> uh, when you when you wander out and you look online at the pre-order price uh, yeah. at you know at Leotis games, yeah, uh, which is what I'm using. Uh, when I go look at the pre-order price of the Farmers Guild, yeah, we're looking at about thirty-five pounds, right? Pounds sterling, and that's a all-plastic kit. Now, when we go to the upcoming pre-orders for the Union and Chains and for the, you know, Sothesian box, the the Union box, we're looking at fifty pounds. Uh, and that 50 pounds is is in range of what a lot of people are saying makes sense for a metal box. Yeah. So this intrigued me. The Rat Catcher's pre-order is 45 pounds. Huh. Far further onto the side of metal that than is it weird. is on plastic. Does it come with that? No, because they haven't had any... There's no limited edition models announced. There is a limited edition Piper that's been announced, and that kit is more expensive. Huh. Oh, yeah, that's right. They did have the limited edition Piper yep. because I didn't like the pose as much as the, as the Now, there is a large flat piece of terrain and a 50 millimeter goal marker that looks like a sewer. Great. But that's in line with the other terrain that we've seen with yeah, the other that, kits. That's the standard kit. Now they did they did say something about there being a price increase, right? Uh I may have missed that. That may also be the I'm not on the ends. Uh I think I heard somewhere that the the prices of new products was going to go up by like 5% or something, 10%, something like that. So maybe we're just seeing that effect, but that's still I think more than that would be. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Um, yeah, just something I found intriguing, right? It's uh, in all of the uh, other cases. Jay says the rat catchers are 40 pounds, 50 cents at Element Games. So that would be with a discount because Element does the yeah discount price. So yeah, so they they definitely seem to be a new price point. They don't add extra. Uh, all right well yeah just I, again it's it's not huge just an interesting little thing to take a look at yeah i mean we'll see i mean i think that the uh the pre-orders are out there so i think 
you're seeing what stores are charging for things. <laughs> so yep, that's uh, that's between them and their accountants. So uh, <laughs> let's see. So on the on the subject of rat catchers, they did a oh gosh, when was it? I guess it was last week, last Thursday. I want to think maybe they did a maybe it was Friday. They did a match in-house that they streamed live on, uh, was it Twitch they streamed it on? Or did they stream it on Facebook? I don't remember. Because I couldn't watch it live because it happened while I was at work. So it was on Twitch. Yeah, it, it was, was on, on Twitch. Twitch. Okay. One of the benefits of being two hours behind everybody else and uh, <laughs> on a on a day when... Uh, yeah. You know, I uh, had a slower day. I was actually able to work from the hotel and watch it while I was oh, working. Oh, very good. So, so I got to see most of the game. Right. And it was, of course, Giblin and Perkins playing... Um, Union, Rage Union Rage versus Ratcatchers. Ratcatchers. So uh, now what they did here is, at this point, we have seen three of the Ratcatchers players' cards in their entirety being Scourge... Um, uh, Pelage and uh, what's his face? The uh, the goalie from the uh, thing last year. His name is Skulk. Skulk, right? Yep. Man, I cannot do Scourge and Skulk in the same team. They are just throwing me off. So, so That's we've seen like their GK cards. Ote and Ferris or Ferrite. <laughs> oh God, Ferris, Ferrite, and who's the other F? Uh, maybe there's not another F. Ralsi. Frelsey and uh, Furnace. Furnace is the other F. Furnace. So, uh, where was I? Oh, so so yeah. So it was uh, Jamie Giblin and Jamie Perkins playing uh, that stream match. And so three of the cards we know, but three of the cards we don't know. Now, what they didn't do is just put up those cards during the match. They just played the match. And it was sort of up to you to listen closely for hints as to what might be on those yep those secret cards now personally i think even though i wasn't able to watch it live and um so missed out on sort of that 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 uh at the moment excitement of it uh it seems like this is a little bit more fun than just doing a blog post i think that they uh I think they may have hit on something with this that is one of the one of the cooler ways to reveal new content that they've come up with. Uh, I mean, what did sure. you think at the I time? Mean, I, so here's the thing. I, I, I enjoyed watching it. Would I want the majority of even like even a fair amount of the spoilers and things to come out like this? No, not at all. Um, it is it is fun to watch the guys play games. However, there, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one in the world that really doesn't have a lot of time or desire to sit in front of, you know, YouTube on my laptop or even on my TV to sit and watch, uh, video game reports be played. Right. Um, I, it's not, I'm not a huge fan of, of video for that, you know, that type of, uh, medium as a regular way to communicate. Uh, there's a reason, I mean, even though we're doing video here, we do an audio podcast, right? I have plenty of time when I'm on the plane and everywhere else, uh, you know, driving and whatnot to listen to audio. I don't have a ton of time to sit and watch video. True. 
So in this case, I thought it was cool. Uh, every once in a while, I think it would be good. I think it should be backed up with a blog post or some sort of audio, you know, go on the podcast, go elsewhere and do the audio uh, discussion. So you, you like it, but not as a replacement, more of a, a supplement. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think I could I could go there as well. I mean, I thought it was I thought it was fun. Um, I think it is possible that if it became the the go to format for content reveals and sort of the only way of doing content reveals, it might get it might get stale. But I think anything gets stale if it's the only way to do things. So true. So yeah, I I kind of like this case with the rat catchers where half the cards have been revealed. And then the other half are, are hinted at in advance of whatever the reveal ends up being. So I kind of like that that splitting the difference that they've done with this one. And so I hope that if they do this in the future, and I hope that they do do it in the future. But yeah, I I also think that it would be it would be a mistake to replace all of their current with this with this but adding it to the array of things that they do as a team is introduced i think it's i think it's a great uh, a great extra something to to help build excitement uh as as things emerge so i agree um we just have to uh, apparently try to uh keep perkins from getting sick immediately before the the next one <laughs> I hear he was uh, a little a little croaky. Well, yeah, he was. Um, the game was a lot of fun to watch. The yeah. other place I very much would like to, I, I hope, one of the things I would be a little bit worried about, let's say it that way, um, and I'm hoping we don't see it as, an, as a future issue, is it's very easy for a game developer to start to show off their models. Yeah. Uh, I've, I mean, there are some other video channels. I know there was a couple I can think of when the hunters came out where I genuinely was intrigued to see somebody playing, uh, the winter hunters box effectively. And instead what I got was basically a two hour advertisement for the box that in, and I don't, I don't want to see advertisements. You know, I don't want to see mocked up. Let's roll the dice and hope it comes out the right way and make some fixes. Play a game. And that's what I liked about this is it seemed like it seemed like it was a game. It, it at least was enough that if it wasn't uh, full on these two playing, I was able to suspend my, dis- you know, suspend any kind of disbelief. I don't know. Perkins is the kind of guy who tries to win at demos. So I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that he would have any of that. That explains so much. <laughs> Perkins! Perkins! So, uh, yeah, the, the subterfuge is not, not in his play style, I think. He he goes he goes all in, so. Now, you said you have not had a chance to watch it on YouTube, right? I didn't watch the whole thing. I, I, uh, I skipped around it on the... Um, on the the video once it was posted later that okay. night i so kind of skipped around and got the vibe of it but i haven't had time to sit and just watch the full stream yet now fair so so i'm intrigued did you did you notice the um 
Hello. Sorry about that. <laughs> What'd you do? Oh, oh geez. No, I had to sneeze. It's oh, about to pop okay. up on the video, and you're gonna have to edit that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna put in. I'm gonna put in like some some sort of animal noise, <laughs> like an elephant or something. <laughs> I was. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, did you notice the quick swing in the game? Like early on, it was kind of plodding along and, and Giblin got up to two. And next thing you do, you turn around and it's like eight to two to Perkins. That's just skill ball. Right? I mean, like, skill ball is uh, getting, getting six points in a turn is, is nothing. Well, out of but the that's what's interesting is that was two activations, yeah. two goals, same player. And that I think has caught a lot of people who are well, they seem watching have, through. Right. I mean, without without having seen what it actually is, it does appear that they have a tool for that. They do have a tool, and what actually happened was the captain basically used an ability, moved everybody, yeah. gave the ball to one of his players, then made the player run up, run and take a goal out of activation. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that became, like you know, and I've heard, I've heard some people basically go, uh, what the hell? Well, I mean, hasn't, uh, Obulus essentially been doing the same not thing both. for, uh, okay, maybe not, not both, both, but I mean, so know, that brings up, I mean, it does bring up an interesting question, right? Which is? power creep are we starting to see in not just farmers let's take farmers out of it because we know everybody cries about farmers and well we can't take are. farmers out of it i mean if you're asking if the last <laughs> is there is there, has guilds, there been power creep right but if you take farmers out then we can only talk about blacksmiths and what we don't know about rat catchers which doesn't really tell us anything right so so let's take the teams that were added since season one, which is going to be Hunters. Yep. Which at release were well, I think weaker. Even still are considered right, and know. still are considered to be a bit weaker than the overall power levels. Then farmers, who were above average, <laughs> I think. Um, I think that's fair. I think it's fair to say they're a little above average. I think that they. Um, that they, so they should what do you be... think about blacksmiths? So what do I think about blacksmiths? <clears throat> I was I was a little worried about blacksmiths when all we had were their cards and nobody had really played them yet. Now, I mean, I immediately sort of identified uh, maybe on like the subconscious level that there was something wrong with their influence. And it's pretty clear from my goldfishing as well as talking to people who play them because I haven't played them because despite Captain Horse, I just can't get, I can't get with the blacksmiths because they just don't function in a way that I find to be um, fun. Fair. But I mean, they're not lighting the world on fire. Um. Uh, they might be the most balanced team in Guild Ball, which is to say that they can be great or they can be terrible. 
<laughs> Depending upon what so you do tell with you, them. I'm, I kind of disagree with you there. I really think the reason we haven't heard as much... Two things. One, I think the reason we haven't heard as much in the community quote-unquote complaining about blacksmiths is because they came out effectively at the same time as farmers. Fair. Right? The two boxes of each came out at effectively the same time. Essentially, yes. Um, Over and above that, though, I am starting to hear gentle rumblings as I'm seeing more and more people play blacksmiths. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am starting to see communities where the majority of the veterans, the Den, both, both Denver communities I've seen, actually three of the Denver communities I've seen, uh, are actually suffering right now through the fact that the majority of the games you play, more than a third, if not more than, more than two-thirds of the games you play, are against either blacksmiths or farmers, because that's where the veterans have gone uh, with a belief that they're both stronger than other teams it's actually where i got this question asked of me and i'm seeing i'm hearing the rumbles of a number of of people sort of globally start to say it's only because the farmers are were out at about the same time that people didn't freak out about blacksmiths basically it was a you know both teams are really strong just one was stronger than the other so that's what everybody focused on I mean, it's possible. I mean, you're you're in the stores and around the tables more than I am. I, I mean, I'll say I can't figure them the hell out, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> uh, I've, I mean, I play them. I I'm playing them, and yeah. I'm enjoying them a great deal as well. I think they're an incredibly janky team, but the jank they bring to the table, right, is incredibly hard. Well, to stop. I mean, that 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 actually is a question: is the fact that they work weird a learning curve for playing against them as much as playing with them. I mean, are we seeing a team that just hasn't been solved as opposed to a team that is hard to beat? Because, like, Thresher is hard to beat. Like, there isn't a solution to Thresher. Um, is is the, the yeah, sort of relative obscurity... That, I don't think well, I'm not, I'm not postulating it, I'm asking it. Is it a possibility that because they because they assign influence in a in a stupid way uh, that they don't have the the sort of obvious activation order that other teams have and things such as that that maybe makes them just a little bit harder to to run up against. Um, I think it's, I, sure, I could see that being the case. I also think there's a case for, this kind of goes back to the why would farmers overshadow them. I think farmers, like I said, I don't believe Thresher's really the issue, but I do think he's going to be the one that gets, you know, hit hard. I do believe that farmers, one, were very visible because bots took them to world, and two, not only were they very visible, but then they're also fairly, they're incredibly forgiving and easy to play. Blacksmiths, I think, are less forgiving. But what I am, what I think, I think we're starting to see, mm-hmm. I'm not 100% on this, but what I think we're starting to see is that they are a team that has a reasonable skill cap, 
that ramps very quickly. And the higher skilled the player playing them, the more crushing and harder to deal with they become. So maybe they don't rant. They don't, they don't slope down as low into the less skilled players like farmers do. They're not as forgiving, but once you cross that skill cap of forgiveness, yeah, they're actually potentially just as bad. I mean, that that's entirely possible. And that's the kind of thing that we need a tournament season to tell. Right. Yep. And then we're seeing, but here's the question, right? So then we have this and granted, nobody's really played them yet, but then you have the changes that are being made to, or the changes to the game and the way that the abilities are being applied in the rat catchers that we've seen and that we watched in the video. Now we didn't see everything, Mm -hmm. but we saw some things in the video. We see the way things work and we're seeing a team that is, that can be incredibly fast in how they play Mm -hmm. incredibly effective in a very short period of time. Now this could be something that's easily mitigated by you really want to play more of a game of attrition against them. You, you want to let them kind of disease themselves out, but we don't know that yet because it hasn't at the table. So I can see some concern where there's certainly a rumbling that the game is, you know, the game is, is power creeping forward, which was one of, I think the concern here is that was one of the big draws for people coming to this game from war machine and hordes. Yeah. Right. They didn't want the everything's overpowered. So nothing is. Yeah. I mean, we've had, we've had a, a, a world of haves and have nots for a while. It's just that when we only had, you know, eight teams or whatever, (laughs) then it wasn't like the more teams you have, the bigger disparity is because that, that line gets longer. Right. And, And it's also harder to balance. It's harder to find room in errata passes to address specific problems. It's hard to find room in testing time frames to address specific problems and so do you think guild balls getting and i'm just asking this because you mentioned it um and it's one of the things that's starting to make me cringe a bit do you think guild balls becoming too hard to balance i i don't think it was ever easy to balance i think that uh i i think that the game is always going to have outliers by necessity and that no matter there's just so many moving parts that somebody is always going to find a lever in there that they can pull and get a little something extra and um you know personally i think that they need to do more frequent errata than they do Hmm. because there's always going to be, uh, you know, it seems like the, the the general philosophy that they have right now is to do the, the sort of the mid-season errata to tone down the outliers on the top, but then to wait for the end of season errata to try to bring up a couple of the players on the bottom and unfortunately, what, what ends up happening with that is that certain teams fall out of favor 
And that can strongly influence the enjoyment of people who own and play those teams. I mean, ask a butcher's player what it feels like to play guild ball right now. Right. You know, if if we if we had more frequent or more thorough errata, like if this errata that's going to come out for the farmers is only about the farmers, I think butchers players have every right to throw a damn tantrum. <laughs> because they've been you know, this is an opportunity for them to not only address the team on the top, but also the team on the bottom. Well, this is an opportunity for them to, to address all sorts of things. So, but we don't know when the errata is coming. We don't know what's in the errata. I mean, we we can only speculate. Right. We do. We we can assume one is coming because I'm not sure. I mean, yes. You know, Matt has become famous for talking about, you know, nothing is faster to angry than the Internet. But I'm I'm thinking the community is starting to really feel the pressure right now of what the hell's going on. Why hasn't this been fixed? Right. I mean, I think is is a six month errata cycle too much to ask for. I mean, is that too fast, do you think? Or is that sort of right? So, I'm the wrong person to ask for this. Yeah. I have played games where the errata cycle was much faster. The errata was much deeper than what we have with Guild Ball. Mm -hmm. And I was the one going out to buy new cards constantly. Yeah. Because I didn't like printing out my own cards. Well, and they have talked about doing a print-on-demand option. Now, I, I think the one the one thing you could say against the six month errata cycle would be that you don't want the competitive season to start with one set of rules and end with another. But I actually have no problem with that. How long is it from Adepticon to Steamcon? Uh, well, well, but let's go back. I have no problem with that if there's actually an imbalance. Right. Why start a competitive season with an imbalance and maintain the imbalance just in the name of competitive? That's not competitive. You're forcing everybody. Basically, what you're saying is we have an imbalance. You must play the imbalanced models. Oh, wait. Now let's just make the imbalance the latest codex. Yeah. And, you know, take a note from how to increase stock prices. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I think that. I think that at the end of the day, I would like them to be solving problems more frequently because especially at the bottom, I mean, stuff just languishes at the bottom in this game and it, it it can't be good. It can't feel good to be sitting there with a Brewers team and a Butcher's team right now. I agree. So let me ask you this Uh, change, same subject, slightly different approach to this. Is Guild Ball at a point in its history and its development, in its cycle, in its life, that it can afford unbalanced, quote-unquote, over- or underpowered teams, models, whatever, to be released and just deal with it in that six-month cycle or whatever? And... Yes or no, can any game really survive that? Or is Guild Ball still kind of fragile and needs to be really careful? 
Well, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> drink. At the end of the day, <laughs> I don't. I think that the issue is still that the playtest group is too small to account for everything. And that the first six months something out should start to be seen as sort of the effective beta period. And so maybe releasing something and then fixing it after six months is just essential. Because it, it seems like nothing really survives first contact with us. Fair. And I think nothing ever will. Yeah. My counterpoint to that would be uh, look at what we have in the first six months of this year. We have two brand new teams coming out. Yeah. I mean, do you bet if you're looking at a six month balance, right? This has always been the designers. This has always been the designers pushback, not just guild ball, but any game designer while well, we're designing six months down the road, we're designing a year down the road. This isn't, this might look overpowered. You know, the, the undercurrent to that, the unsaid is this might look overpowered now, but the new powerful that we're releasing in six months in three teams from now is going to balance this overpowered. So by the time we get around to eradicating it. Well, but in, in Steamforge defense, they've never had that specific approach to balance. They've never had that. We're going to balance everything up because like i've said they don't seem to want to bring things up right right their errata has always been about tamping down and only in a a, a, a lesser number of their erratas do Have they, they actually brought something do up. they bring things up so mm-hmm. um i think that the but there is a certain I don't amount. think that they they certainly have showed no signs of taking the the cynical approach of just making new things better. I mean, I think that the uh you know, so far the 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 amount by which farmers and potentially blacksmiths are better you think that was inadvertent? That was just a miss? Uh, well, I don't think that they were so much better that it could be seen as a sub, a cynical sales ploy. I mean, it when, when fish and engineers are still probably, after the farmer's nerf happens, going to be seen as the two strongest teams, at least until the day that Everybody agrees with you on blacksmiths. Um, It's still a game that is sort of balanced within one degree, right? Uh, With the, with the potential exception of the two teams that are really languishing on the bottom. Uh, who are maybe a degree and a half off. I mean, I could lose to butchers every day of the week. Um, so, you know, even those, even those teams that are at the bottom are close. And even those teams that are at the top are close. So I don't think that there is... 
If there's power creep, it's certainly not system-wide. And I don't think that it is intentional. What I think we are probably more seeing is that as they release more and more teams, they simply have to release more and more effects. And it's, it's very difficult to have something that is entirely new to the game and to be able to take into account all the interactions. I think that's touchy. Because that rush is really close to, are they running out of design space? Yeah. And when when this is a game with 21 or 22 teams in the near future, will they be out of design space? Yeah. So here's something interesting in our wonderful new stats driven world. Um, far be it for me to be anywhere near accurate. I mean, I pull shit out of my ass all the time. Um, apparently if we just go back to November, right? Yeah. SteamCon, So December 1st, and we look at win percentages, if just tournament games on our, uh, thank you, Sam for Longshanks. Yep. Blacksmiths are the worst team out there right now. Interesting. Uh, blacksmiths only have a, uh, I don't know how to read this, win percentage plus or minus, maybe. Uh, <laughs> let's just call this, if it, I'm probably quoting this wrong, but they only have a win percentage of 44%. Uh, masons being second to the bottom, butchers being actually better than those two, mm-hmm. hunters being the next one up. I still haven't hit 50% win rate. Mm-hmm. Brewers and then morticians. Then we finally get into our 50%, which is our top five guilds, <clears throat> to which we go uh, engineers at 50, union at 51, alchemists at 53, fish at 56, and farmers at 61. Hmm. That's a strong outlier in the case of the farmers. Well, yeah, I mean, you're t- and but look at the spread, forty-four to sixty-one. Mm-hmm. But and let's take take the, take the, the farmers out that? though, and it's it's more. Yeah, I would say take the farmers and blacksmiths out because of their newness and brokenness, and it's still pretty about tight. Forty-seven to fifty-six. You're talking about that same ten-point spread we've. Well, but that's one. I mean, in a hundred points, that is you know almost yeah. literally one. Uh, yep. standard deviation so i mean that's 0.05 would be i think the target so it's twice the target but it's still pretty close um i think what uh what's interesting there is that with with farmers standing uh quite that high it's it's especially telling that they will probably be, uh, you know, if you want to talk about power creep, when the when the errata comes, if it only targets farmers, it'll be clear that their intention is to not creep up, right? Right, to bring everything back. Like, I think if the game was power creeping, uh, they would sort of follow the, the GW model and just sequentially make everybody else better. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fair. I, th- I think that, yeah. I, so I if there's fair. power creep, it was an accident, is basically what I'm trying to say. Um, 
or it was a cynical ploy to sell miniatures. Who can say? <laughs> I'm not going to say it wasn't, but I'd you like to I'd, give them the benefit of the doubt. I would come in and I, I do not get, and this is sad to me, I do not get the impression that they're making the new guilds, uh, despite what I've heard, that they're making the new guilds more powerful to to sell miniatures. And that is, I almost think, taking your cynicism to a no, whole nother level. Yeah. I actually wonder if there has either been a change in the design studio and the team that's doing the design, or if it's a matter of sort of a curve, right? You had a solid design in the design team of the teams, and then the designers became more comfortable with their game, with their model of how they design the game and how everything works. They became very comfortable in the balance and then in, and were able to stretch. They created some things. I mean, I think Hunters is a great example, right? Hunters was viewed as very weak, a highly, you know, huge skill floor and a, and a more complicated team to play than others. And a excellent player just had to work harder to do the same things, right? So team quote unquote balanced in what they could do, but harder to use overall, which made it less balanced overall. And I think as you settle into that comfort zone, when you start to reach again, you could inadvertently start breaking the bounds and get more enamored with the cool things you can do and lose sight a little bit of the balance in place of the cool, not so much from a let's do cool things to sell models, but more from a look at this cool thing I can do. Oh shit. It actually might not be great for the game. Yeah. Uh, it's entirely possible. <laughs> I mean, that's entirely possible, but I mean, entirely it's... theory. And like I said, I'm pulling shit out of my ass yeah. because clearly I thought blacksmiths were much higher than they are. And, uh, yeah, they're not. Well, they may well be. They may well eventually be. I think that it, it could be that the people who are playing farmers right the now, who are playing farmers right now, uh, are the ones who have the the skill to play blacksmiths. Um. All right. Uh, let's plug some events. We could do that. So um, let's see. In order of occurrence, we of course have the Bourbon Trail open coming up on March the tenth. Yes, the one day, the one day this year, I could not attend the Bourbon Trail Open, and of course, that is the day that that Jason Tate chose to uh, to hold it. Uh, I take that personally. I, I heard that it was all because uh, I didn't want you to come out there. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Now, look, we've we've both been to the Bourbon Trail Open. This is a great event. Yeah. Um, they have they have lots of room. People should definitely go out and attend this. I know it's only a couple of weeks from the release of this podcast, but I mean, there's there's three great pundits. Uh, all in, well, pundits, yeah, pund- I think they're all pundits. I don't know. There's three great guys mm, all involved. Yeah, with with organizing this um i've seen some incredible swag on the website i mean jeez guys get out there and support this thing yep if you have the means i highly recommend it <clears throat> so then uh on april 10th down in uh south carolina we've got uh old jake's house at and i think they've got a seat or two or three left a cedar two or three yeah which i mean for a 64 cedar um so when I shake bad. my 
visible magic eight ball here. Uh, <laughs> signs are looking good that yeah. Bill may be attending this. Oh, that would be nice. Just, but uh, that'd be nice. <clears throat> I have a, a spousal sign on for yeah. a road trip this weekend. Oh. And uh, the road trip south in this general direction seems to be on the books. There you go. Well, if if I can't make it, I'm glad you can. And uh, although I still have not given up on showing up at one or the other of the April events, uh, there's <laughs> there's like that ten percent chance that I might be able to find my way to one or the other of them. Uh, the the South Carolina one just has the the slight tilt in that I can drive it. A little more casually, but then uh, Virginia, then Virginia. <clears throat> Although I have done Tampa to Virginia in one day, it's not impossible. It's just long. Yeah, it is. It's very long. Um, so we'll see. And that, of course, would be uh, April twenty eighth for the Spring Fling, which, of course, Bill is running. Twenty eighth and twenty now. It- Nice little uh, anecdotal information here. Uh, I think that everybody will enjoy. Um, <clears throat> so there is a uh, there is a wait list for the spring fling. Uh, the wait list is currently fourteen people long, which seems really depressing yeah. for anybody who wants to actually get in. Until they get to the point to to notice, and I and I will point this out. Um, certain podcasters who were number one on the list or previous podcasters who were number one on the list, uh, declined their wait list invitation when a spot inadvertently or sadly opened up. And, uh, actually other people on the wait list have declined the invitation. Now we are back to being full again. Uh, I think we only made it to slots three and four before people jumped on immediately. But, uh, when wait spots come available, there is a 48-hour option window going down the list, <laughs> and there have been people that have uh, flat declined it within the 48 hours, and it has gone to later people on the list. So what you're saying is it's okay to be at the end of the <clears throat> list. So there's a chance. Yeah. All right. Hey, I'm. I I think it's pretty cool that you've still got 64 people. I mean, that's that's pretty. Uh, that's a nice number for a uh, for an 60. independent event. 64 and 14 on the wait list. Very good. Very I good. am uh, frantically trying to look around and find, uh, and I don't think I'm going to be able to at this point, but I'm still trying to find more space at the store as well as uh, doing things like, you know, if anybody knows a food truck in the Northern Virginia area that would like to swing by and feed 64 games, <laughs> I would love to hear from them. You know, that's actually a really good way to handle lunch at these things. They did that at that Blood Bowl event that I went to uh, in Southern Virginia. Yeah. Um, and in Richmond. And it it worked really well because the... the uh, because games don't all end at the same time, the line actually sort of self-manages. Right. So, like, everybody doesn't run out of the building at once and just form, like, an impossibly long line. People just kind of drift out to the parking lot and the line is never more than like five or six people that way. And it's actually, uh, it works actually pretty well. So, uh, um, now the other thing to, to, I don't, have I mentioned the, um, have I mentioned the beer tap? No, I don't think you've mentioned. Oh, the beer tap. 
hey, uh, that would be a good thing to mention now two months before. <laughs> um, yeah, Huzzah Hobbies, who is uh, very graciously hosting this again and has the room uh, for anybody that's been out. Uh, yes, I am holding it in a game store, but it's not a game store like most people think of. Uh, we certainly have the room for the 64, and Chris is like OCD about cleaning. Um, right. The snack bar and taps will be open on for the spring fling. So there will be beer and basically snack bar snacks on top of lunch there. So, uh, yeah, now I cannot advocate for people drinking so much. They stumble out. We (laughs) may have had some of those issues in the past, but I can advocate for, um, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm not in the process of maybe making the swag bag able to enable drinking. Right. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So, uh, all those events and more are coming, uh, in the future. And anybody who is going to be at Adepticon, please come find me. I, unless I horribly forget, will actually have Guild Ball tonight dice with me for anybody that plays me at Adepticon. Excellent. Excellent. Those are uh, those are still some of my favorite dice. I really like. I hear they roll ones through sixes. They 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 do in fact roll ones through sixes. But one time (laughs) one of them rolled a seven. But we're not going to talk about it. No, no, those are the special dice we keep. (laughs) So uh, all right, so let's go ahead and answer a few Twitter questions before I turn into a pumpkin. Um, Maybe we will. Maybe we'll get to a couple of these. Uh, so the the first one was uh, Chris Schlegel wants to know what paint goes well with orange. Now, uh, now here, how would you figure that out, Phil? The way I would figure that out would be to pull out my color wheel, which I have Your here what? in my hand. My color wheel. A they color are available wheel? Is that a at, wheel? at. You know, Matt Hart once told me that the color wheel was a wheel, and. Uh, what you do is you you look at your color wheel, uh, you rent you you turn it to the right setting, and I'm not going to get into this now, but I'm just going to say that what the color wheel tells me is that the the complementary color for orange is blue, which means that blue and orange go together very well. Now this is um, this is a a thing that you can see in uh, sports teams. Blue and orange uh, do often go together in sports teams. Unfortunately, they go together very often in the University of Florida's uh, colors down here, Ooh. which I have a I bear a grudge against the University of Florida. Not just because I didn't go to the University of Florida, because I am a I am a fine South Florida graduate, but also because uh, somebody who I still bear a strong grudge against was very proud to have gone to the University of Florida. So um, it's personal all right but um two colors uh, two colors is okay but if you wanted to go to three you actually wouldn't use blue and here's the thing is that when you go to three you actually want to do what's called a triad which is actually splitting that blue tone down a couple of degrees into the darker and, and the lighter shades around the the spectrum so actually that's where you're going to see orange and violet and orange and green 
or orange, violet, and green all together are going to work very well. Now, you can do a two-shade with one of the tones of the triad, but it's going to sort of be like an unresolved chord, right? Like um, to, to sort of come back to the music <laughs> theory that we had on the last episode, we're going we're gonna to say that, that, that like doing purple and orange, it actually works very well. But you're going to feel like something's missing. Like you need to just add that one little thing. And that's because you're, you've are you got two parts of a relationship of three. So if you wanted to do like almost everything on your model in purple and orange, sneak in a little green. So it's almost like having a polygamous household without one of the wives. Uh, I mean, I mean, sure. I and that I have no idea what that would be like because my life is not that interesting. Uh, so, um, so would you like to know how I would determine? How would you determine uh, what goes well with orange? I would ask my commission painter. Yeah, and he would tell you. And he would just paint blue. it blue. so so yeah so i mean if you if you want to to actually get into some color theory stuff um go to your local art supply store or to to amazon or whatever and just buy one of these little uh like travel size pocket color wheels and uh go to a couple websites or go to um uh our episode number uh let's look that up really fast uh the color wheel is a wheel was episode number 32 and it was an interview between myself and matt where we really broke down the color wheel and how to use it you know where to get one how to use it uh what to do with both sides of this thing how to spin the dials and and get that little bit of something extra out of your painting that can come from good color theory. So, episode thirty-two uh, will will give you a shortcut to uh, picking the complementary and triads for any color, not 32. just orange. I mean, that's that's a lot of episodes. That in. was forty-five episodes ago. Wow. <laughs> It's been longer since then. That was episodes we did originally. Right. Yeah. Huh. That's back when I still did interviews before I got lazy. Yeah. And turned that, that whole thing over to, to younger, more energetic podcasters. <laughs> Who are probably nearing on 20-something episodes. But, hey, do we have any other questions from Twitter? <laughs> We've got a couple. So, um <laughs> You know, I feel like we almost answered Karsten's question in our freeform uh, discussion that we were having earlier when we got completely off our schedule. Uh, Karsten had asked if there was a threshold where there were too many guilds and um, the number where it sort of becomes unhealthy for the game, you know, in terms of... I'm sure he's thinking in terms of like design spaces and um, even maybe shelf spaces. Um, and we, we kind of hinted at that uh, a little bit ago where we were saying that we were kind of worried that 
they might run out of effective design spaces, right? I mean, like a designer can come in and say, oh, well, there's there's never a point where we can't creatively solve the problem of something new to do. But at the same time, we see that entirely new ideas have been a challenge from a balance standpoint and from a... Mm -hmm. Uh, making concise rules standpoint. So I, I do feel like there is a breaking point. Now, where that breaking point is, I don't really know. And I don't know that it's something you can sort of figure out mathematically. I think it's something that you have to, you have to find naturally in as much as it is a measure of your designers, right? But wait, did you just say it's not something you can find mathematically? because <laughs> uh, because i disagree okay. I, I have the math formula for that the okay. math formula for that is uh currently balanced game plus unbalanced team plus one yeah oh that that okay that makes sense um or totality but, of current creative ideas yeah plus one plus one yeah I, I I'm pretty sure mathematically that's how you figure out where. <laughs> so it's where always you... it's always one more team than you've got, right? Right, <laughs> right exactly. So, All right, well, that's um, fair. When you run out of ideas, if you try to design one more, yeah, that is where you have surpassed the right. the the design space. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think running having run out of ideas and not recognizing the fact that you have run out of ideas. Uh, is not so much a is not so much a problem of design space as it is um, not being willing to to just stop. Now you know, I, Steamforge said in 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 the distant past that they wouldn't be afraid to stop to end the game, right? That well, not to a, end the game, but to end. It was a logical large scale point. new yeah. development. I I have always been curious to see if when push comes to shove, if they were actually follow through on that threat. And I I feel like we're still see earlier in the episode yeah. when I talked about the team with the minotaur on it. <laughs> I think that we are still a, a, a good distance from that, but I will be curious to see if the day comes when, when new teams are uninteresting or unmanageable, if they can let go of the, uh, of of the the revenue of right. of expansion because at a certain point it goes from a hobby business to a real business and at that point you sort of can't have uh high ideals anymore <laughs> because you're a corporation and corporations are sociopathic entities without any morals so um that's uh neither here nor there so all right so the last question for for tonight because I am, uh, I'm tired, is from Simon Burdett, who wants to know what the biggest hope or fear we have uh, for season four is. Now, season four is still a little oh, bit. I am so future. glad you picked a short question. <laughs> well, what what are you, what 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 are you hoping to see? Bill? What 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 is something that would be season four that that you would hope to hope to get 
What is the biggest thing that I would hope to get in season four? Right. My, so look, I, I'm already on, I, I think I'm already been vocal about the fact that while minor guilds are coming, I, I wasn't sure that was quite the way um, I wanted to see the game go. Right. Uh, adding a bunch of, you know, smaller guilds. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm excited. I think the things we've seen so far are cool. I do want to continue to see innovative ideas. I want to see more balance, um, for me in the game itself. I think my hopes for season four have less to do. In fact, I know for a fact, my hopes for season four have less to do with, with expansion of the game. Even though I give them shit, I pretty much trust them on how that's going to go and more to do with um, Steam Forged evolving as a company, mm-hmm. right? How they handle how they handle a lot of the ancillary parts of supporting their so you games. Want, you want to see improvements in the process, not necessarily improvements in the product. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And Fair. I think, you know, I... It, Right now, Guild Ball is still my favorite game. I'm really happy with where it is. I feel like, you know, yes, it has some some challenges, but overall, I think it's probably, uh, for me, it is one of the best games out there. And it's why I'm continuing to play it. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I think for my part, what, what, I, what I don't want to see is is sort of core rule tinkering. Um, you know, I think that they've got some good ideas with the new, uh, the new plot cards and they don't, they don't do too much to the core rules. And, but what I don't, you know, I think that this is a game that's got the core rules more or less down at this point. Uh, because they're so simple and they're so basic and um, I think that they could hit a point where they start to to think that you know the perfect is the enemy of the good right and and uh, at that's the point where you don't want to just keep changing things because you think that you could get this tiny little improvement um I think I think the core rules are at the leave well enough alone stage, and let's just focus on getting the players right. Um, and so I, I hope that they don't feel like it's an opportunity to revisit the game and to to put any new theories into into effect because some of the things that we've seen with uh, you know uh, formation rules and guild identity cards. I don't know that those were necessarily successful, and yeah, that's the kind. And so I think we're fortunate that they've that they've had the that they've had the good sense to test that outside of the the echo chamber and outside of the vacuum, and to kind of see that those maybe wouldn't be good directions to go. So uh, I hope that there isn't one of those sneaking up on us. <laughs> Because frankly, formation rules kind of scared me a little because, like, that was the bullet we dodged. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we as a global community dodged it and some places didn't. 
<laughs> yeah, apparently uh, not. You know, see my guest host on Rage Quit Wire. Um, well, there's always somebody, right? <laughs> so, I I agree with you. I, I I have been through, you know, going to my what's my biggest fear? In addition, change. Yeah. I've been yeah, through addition changes where a perfectly good game saying, was yeah. was changed. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, you know. Yeah, like what what really do you think needs to, to, to be different at this point? And if your answer is core rules, then... I would I would challenge you to look a little harder at what your root problem is, right? Because it's probably a player ability, and it's not a core rule. And I would say, you know, you go back to the if I start picking out little things, I would love to see, you know, um, I'd love to see some effort in design, sort of attention put into things like the big league, uh, put into things like the rookie leagues. Yeah, I think those alternate play styles that took the core rules and right. added a tweak here and there were very cool. I really loved the big leagues when I uh, ran those. I mean, we ran three of them until pretty much they started to be out of date. Yeah. Um, the rookie league, I had a lot of fun doing the rookie league at uh, at SteamCon, and am certainly looking to uh, do that in a official release. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I I would love to see effort put towards those. And those are places where you're allowed to have flights of fancy with the rules, right? I yeah. Mean, so, yeah, I think that uh, revisiting some of those ideas would certainly be warranted and, need I say, even welcome in uh, in Season 4. So, All right. Well, I think that that is, that is what I'm going to call a show. And uh, for what it's worth, it has been good to uh, to get back to normal <laughs> and not be uh, and not be uh, on on the hook to to uh, say everything that gets said in an episode of Go Ball tonight. Because uh, boy, it's nice to have an opportunity to stop and take a drink, right? So. Uh, this has been us that has been you and uh we will see you in a in a couple of weeks so uh thanks for listening as always we appreciate that you take your time and and give it to us because uh we probably uh we probably don't deserve it anyway <laughs> and good night <laughs> good night Knees up, watch the knives. To join the conversation, comment on the show post at guildballtonight.com or email us at guildballtonight at gmail.com. Also, feel free to give us five stars on iTunes. Every little bit helps. But when you do, don't write a review of the show. No. Instead, 
just tell everybody why you love Flint so very much. Guild Ball is property of Steamforged Games Limited. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guests are their own and do not represent the official position of Steamforged Games, Yo-Yo Dine Propulsion Systems, Aperture Laboratories, or even the other hosts and guests. Dogs barking can't fly without umbrella. It is time once again for another installment of Ox's Poetry Corner. You dress like a bird, you take your chances with us. We aren't so smart. Shh, co-host base, come here. I think I figured out how to sneak you onto the show without Bill noticing. 